0: See you there. Do yourself, back to its roots. I wanna go, I wanna go. To
1: Love this podcast?
2: Consider supporting this show. You decide how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Visit the link in the episode description to support now.
0: welcome to your life the mixtape presents headliners each week i am joined by the best and the brightest stars of music from all over the world to find out a little bit about what makes them tick on this episode of headliners i am joined by an alternative rock band from torrance california please welcome kevin and matt of joker's hand hello gentlemen
2: hey, hey greg really how you on? doing
0: thank you so much for being here i I'm, I'm super excited to have you on the show so so tell me uh what is out right now from you guys that everybody should be listening to
2: uh, well, we got an EP out, we got an album out, and we got two singles for the next EP that we're going to be releasing that's coming out this Friday. Nice. Excellent.
0: So if, if you could uh, collaborate with any musician, living or dead, who would you pick?
2: Living. No, I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I think we both kind of settled on Dave Grohl. Um, he was a huge inspiration to Matt, I know for sure. Growing up, um, he's kind of more of a uh, more of a recent love for me. I've always really respected Dave Grohl and loved the Foo Fighters, but it's it's weird it, as as I as I grow older, I'm getting less and less into Blink One Eighty Two and music like that, and much more into music like the Foo Fighters for some reason.
1: It's it's not a bad problem to have.
2: Yeah, I, I think I think it's uh, growing up.
1: <laughs> I guess just if, if we were to sum it up, I guess this is growing up, huh?
2: Excellent. Oh god. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, just to tack onto that, yeah, the Foo Fighters were a huge band for me, like getting me into rock, especially as, as I was getting a little bit older. It wasn't like rock wasn't a huge part of my life growing up, but like you know, as a teenager, kind of know how things go, feeling angsty, feeling a little bit. Um, a little bit of an outcast, and like just seeing seeing the space out there of like especially what the Foo Fighters were doing, where it was like really aggressive and raw, that was something that I was really drawn to, and so yeah, I guess studying Dave Grohl and kind of what he's done in his career he's he's like such a multi-instrumentalist, and he's written a lot of great songs in a, in a wide variety, like pretty wide net of of moods of feels, and just his writing sense is really broad, so I think it'd be awesome to collaborate with him.
2: He also seems like the nicest dude in rock and roll, just genuinely. Yes. I will, I will absolutely agree with that. <laughs> so
0: describe your latest project using only one word.
1: Yeah, the word I would use to describe our latest project is experimental. Um, and we're really just talking about our EP. It's called Seeing Red. It's coming out uh, Friday, February 17th. And it really, it was kind of a cool space for us to explore different sounds and uh, different like production elements, but we also dug into a lot more personal themes than we've done in the past.
2: I think people that have listened to our previous music, um, our previous releases rather, will be able to connect the dots and be like, oh yes, this is Joker's hand. But it's also, I think we're exploring much new, sorry, much different sounds than we've gotten or that we've explored before um there's there's one song that is kind of the hardest song it's one of the heavier songs we've written and uh there's also some that are very 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 personal and uh vulnerable
1: yeah and i think the other element of experimentalism is um some genre bending within certain songs, like where we'll like start in one like lean into say like more of a modern hip hop thing, and then in another section leading into like a hard rock kind of mentality nice. so yeah we ha- we had a lot of fun with this latest project, so experimental is the word i'd use
2: I think we also have our first track that has some screamed vocals on it. oh wait, no, as actually that's not true. I just realized that matt we did a we did a cover a few years ago of a a weekend song of funny enough um, called false alarm that I always kind of envisioned as being more of a hard rock song rather than a pop song that it, like the way it was uh, produced. And uh we had, we had uh, had some screams in that one for sure, but uh this is the first original song or sorry, this EP is going to contain our first original song where uh, Matt is screaming at the end of the song.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's one thing that's pretty new for me. I'm pretty quiet. So I'm like, I'm channeling my, my
2: inner baby again and just screwing my head <laughs> off. Inner <laughs> baby. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I'm still a loud baby, son.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, who is an artist that if they popped into this Zoom right now and said, "Joker's hand, I need you to come on tour with me right now." Who are you dropping everything for?
2: turnstile immediately that's the first band that comes to mind um yeah that's a band that i I discovered them kind of late i think uh maybe a year and a half ago or something and they blew up they, they were either in the process of blowing up or like right when i discovered them everybody suddenly knew about them um they're a fun band to cover i would love to see them live i have not yet it's definitely a goal of mine
1: yeah their shows look absolutely insane, and obviously like the stuff they put out it's so fresh, but it also feels like I don't know, really palatable, and it's just super sick. It would be awesome to tour with them.
2: I need that if we were going to tour with them, though, man, I would need to get in shape before holy cow I see what they do on stage. the front man he moves around and stuff, and i i'm currently I'm currently trying to lose some weight. Because I notice that when I move around on stage, I can uh, get out of breath pretty quickly. These guys, they can go forever. It's pretty crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. It's hard work. If you could
0: change one thing about the music industry, what would it be?
1: I would say... Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, go 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 ahead. Sorry. My, my bad.
1: Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah, I would say one thing I would change is um, just the landscape of how a how like an indie creator or anyone who wants to start just how the landscape of that feels really inequitable and kind of unfair the dis- distribution of wealth, the ability to sort of make it or even just kind of get a little bit back from what you're making, especially for us creators that are working on these billion dollar platforms like Spotify and like YouTube, where we're making like fractions of a fractions of a cent for like every stream or like yeah, just pennies and having this. Having this cap like on YouTube of like needing to have a certain number of subscribers or like a certain couple hundred hours of view time in order to monetize, like especially for like a younger, a new creator, anyone making something new on there. It's like very hard to, I guess, feel incentivized to keep going, especially if you want to make a living doing this. It's really hard.
2: Yeah, for us, it's really a—it it really is a love-hate relationship with this whole thing because it, we recognize that if we started doing this twenty years ago, we would basically have to be going to corners and pushing CDs, like that was—that is how we would be doing this. But then now, it's kind of a more level playing field in the sense that everybody who is every who is anybody can put music on Spotify. They can then go out play shows and try to market that and get people to listen to it but at the end of the day it really does seem like we're kind of slaves to the algorithm and what you know if your music gets chosen for a playlist or not um and then yeah touching on the thing that matt had mentioned with youtube that in itself is particularly frustrating um at least with spotify we do see you know we obviously it's very small amount because we're you know a small band but like you know, we see pennies coming in for the streams and stuff, but we have not seen a single penny from YouTube. Um, despite the fact that we have put thousands of dollars into the, um, music videos that we have up, it's, uh, kind of cap creators at a, at a, in a weird way with, uh, subscribers, which I, I guess that's understandable, but then watch hours, you have to have about 4,000 of those. And that's kind of hard to get when you're just starting out and have no connections whatsoever. What
0: is a venue that you give anything to play?
2: Royal Albert Hall. I I don't know why we chose that, but I feel like it's like a shoot for the moon kind of thing. You know, (laughs) it's overseas overseas. I mean, there's been so many artists that have played there. I, I watched Cream's Farewell concert on, on, on DVD, obviously. <laughs> there. Um, yeah, I mean, Bill Burr, it's not, not the same genre at all. It's a comedian, but he performed there and he considers that place to be, you know, historic. So <laughs> kind of, you know.
1: And then the rock star of the comedy world.
2: Indeed. <laughs> Fair play.
1: Yeah, and I was actually the the one I know. There's been tons of huge artists that have played Royal Albert Hall, but the the first name that stuck out to me that I remembered was Led Zeppelin. And I was actually watching their uh, 1970 concert this morning just to kind of reexperience it. That'd be amazing to play there.
2: Yeah, I remember watching. I remember watching that actually with you a <laughs> yeah. few years ago. I'd seen it growing up, but then we sat down and then we saw Jimmy Page was playing a Dan Electro. And that surprised the hell out of me because I never thought of that as a lead guitar. But now I always do.
1: Yeah, super safe.
0: <laughs> that is actually, I think, the first time that anybody said uh, Royal Albert Hall for this really? session. So well done. All right.
2: <laughs> Unique.
0: Yeah, we're yes. a niche. <laughs> What do you think is your worst habit during the songwriting process?
2: Um. Okay. Personally, for me, my worst, <laughs> my worst habit is using the voice memo app and then not naming the voice memo after I record an idea. So currently, I have a lot of things on my phone. If you go into my voice memo app, it'll say like hard rock song, pop idea, Riff idea. And then below that, it says voice memo number 987. Like, I, I need to do a lot of... I have a lot of cleaning out to do if it's if the number is that high. Um, I'm almost at 1,000, which is bad. So soon I got to go through and actually listen to all those and give them a name. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in general, just not finishing the song and then moving on to another because we have another idea, I think is another problem that we tend to have
1: yeah that happens all the time especially with me just like coming up with little tidbits like a riff here and there like a section and then just making a ton on my voice memo app and then kind of forgetting some of them just letting them sit yeah
2: yeah but then it's cool though because you could go back and go oh man i didn't realize i wrote that you know it kind of feels like a brand new idea because you forgot it (laughs) yeah um also really quick tacking on to that last question about the venue another place that i had really seriously considered just because i i grew up in la and you know i i grew up in the 2000s going to the x games and saw a bunch of different artists at this place like um i'm trying to think panic at the disco plain white tees when they were huge um yeah uh what was, what was the name of the place, Staples Center? Yeah. That is a place that I definitely would have liked to play. However, I just I I refuse to say crypto.com arena now. <laughs> just it just killed it for me. So <laughs> yeah.
0: That's that's completely fair. I I'm not a musician, but if I was if I was offered, hey, they want you to play the crypto arena, I'd be like, no, that doesn't doesn't seem like a solid venture.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not a great name there
0: <laughs> what's a song that anytime you hear it on like the radio or streaming you go damn I wish I wrote that
1: yeah I'd say the song I wish that we wrote is a song called Earth is a Black Hole by Teenage Wrist um, I, I got I found out about this song through Spotify through, through the algorithm praise uh, Spotify and it was just
2: Praise be to Spotify.
1: <laughs> Praise be the name. Uh, yeah, if, if you haven't heard it, it's an incredible song. It's really lyrically poetic, uh, very visual, and super moody. And it's kind of, I guess, to paint a broad brush, it's sort of a, a reflection of, of our world and how it's sort of, there is this underlying machine that's controlling us, This this idea of consumerism, this this need to conform. Um, and the idea of like that being kind of it, like you, you follow the system, you kind of follow these rules, you follow the trends and then you, you're gone. You die one day, you know, it's very visual. It's, and it's the kind of writing that, uh, we relate to a lot where we cast this sort of broad brush, this reflection of the world we live in, the feelings we're having in the moment. Um, on top of that, the chorus is incredibly catchy, so I wish I'd written something like that.
2: Yeah, that is a, it's a really great song. The, the, the tag in the chorus is, where do we go when the river runs dry? And that makes me think every time. <laughs> nice.
0: Describe your perfect
2: day. So, perfect beginning of a day for me is always waking up with no alarms. And if it's a perfect day, I'm waking up early with no alarms. Um, And then breakfast, we'd probably go to Fanny's, which is a local place that we go to in Redondo Beach. Uh, They got really, really good breakfast burritos. It's right by the beach, Um, so then we probably walk to the beach, eat there, hang out a bit, Um, and then, I don't know, hang out during the day, write music, record some stuff, and then at night, Go listen to a great live band over drinks with free parking that's directly outside of the venue because this is a hypothetical perfect day and perfect situation.
1: <laughs> the idyllic free parking situation.
2: Exactly. Walk right out the door. Bam, there's your car instead of the normal. Okay, it's 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 midnight and I'm going to go walk uh, nine blocks to my car in a neighborhood I'm not familiar with. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What's a song lyric yours or someone else's that has always stuck with you?
2: Um, I think one lyric that we chose um, that really stuck with us um, is we're terrified and growing bored. Uncertainty is weak. We need to know that you agree. It's a line from the song we had mentioned for one of the previous questions, uh, Earth is a black hole um yeah th- there's a there's an over how do i, how do I describe that um matt you want to take it <laughs> uh well uh,
1: i guess i'm kind of guessing where you're getting there but uh an overarching i guess it it's very succinctly describes um that idea of kind of being being slave to this this machine this like very cyclical, need to buy this to survive, need to fit in. Um, and uncertainty is weak uh, within that lyric. Kind of, yeah, very succinctly paints that picture of like, if you if you aren't sure, if you don't know what you're doing here, if you don't know kind of your place, then you're kind of labeled as, as outcast, as like almost lesser than.
2: Yeah, like if you're like an overarching feeling of if you're not contributing, get out of the way. Right. And I think that's I I don't know that it's a, that's not, that's not a mantra that I live my life by, but it's just an interesting aspect of the world that we like to write about. Nice. And also that grabbed us in that song. Cause we, <laughs> that wasn't a line that we wrote to be clear. <laughs>
1: Hey, but uh, if I could invent a question, I wish we wrote that line.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Describe your music
2: using only colors. All right, so this sounds cliche, but red and blue, honestly, are great representations of our music. Um, You know, classically, red can symbolize anger, passion, lust, or love, and then blue tends to be more assigned to feelings of melancholy, introspection, sadness. And I think our music really does dance around those two extremes a lot. Um, On top of that, we also do write music that sometimes touches on political issues. And especially in this country, red and blue seems to be all people tend to see when it comes to politics. So... It, uh, it reflects in that way too. Um, when we try to write about the state of the world, we have a song, um, on our first EP called Hijacked that talks a lot about, um, talk, it, it talked a lot about the state of the world at the time. Um, we wrote it in 2019, maybe 2020-ish, and Trump was in office, um, and, it kind of was just about all of the drama that surrounded that, all of the different stories and conflicting viewpoints on such a polarizing figure, essentially. Right on.
1: Yeah, especially um, obviously in the past, um, kind of no matter what, whenever there's you know president elected, there's always going to be some some like left and right opposition of black and white or, or red or red and blue if you will but i feel like that presidency in particular really really pushed to the forefront how opposing people in this people in this country but even just people in the world how how opposing those views can be how challenging those oppositions can be so i feel like that song reflected that a lot and yeah red and blue being pretty opposite in that sense. I'd say that paints the picture pretty well.
0: What's a song that you've written that you feel like would be perfect for a film soundtrack?
2: So when I think film soundtrack, I think of something that... Well, for some reason, I I automatically jump to the underscore of a song, you know, something that doesn't have vocals. And I immediately jump to... Um the title track from our uh debut album that we came out with in 2021. Uh was it 2021? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. Um the song is called All American Rage. Um I think so the previous song that I mentioned, Hijack, that mixed in a little bit of hip hop with hard rock and punk. Uh All American Rage was our kind of our first venture into the idea of rap rock for us. Um the chorus is pretty um hmm, chanty, I guess. Is that the right way to describe that, that? I wouldn't say anthemic is the right word.
1: Yeah, I would say it's it's very chanty. It's aggressive, it's succinct, and it's it just kind of embodies rage in kind of the pure sense. So I, yeah, you know, when I think of that song, that song came to mind when I thought of the soundtrack for a film, and I picture kind of like action movie fight scene. Like yeah. Brawl. Totally.
2: It kind of starts off with like a four on the floor type of beat. Um, usually it's a song that we can get people to clap and dance to and stuff like that. And then during the chorus, they'll just start pushing each other.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's a rager.
2: Yeah. But I could definitely see that, I don't know, in like a heist movie or something. Oh
1: yeah, I can see that.
2: I just picture a bunch of guys in a warehouse surrounding a car and they're like, oh wait, hold on. I was about to say, oh, we need to we need to we need to steal the safe, but never mind. This is just the plot for Fast and Furious Five. <laughs> <laughs> or sorry, sorry, Fast Five, as as the uh as the scholars would say.
1: Yeah, man, say it right, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So this
0: uh, next question is kind of a choose your own adventure type deal. I've got three of the most cliche questions that all musicians get asked in interviews. And I will let you guys pick the ones that you would like to answer. Uh, Your choices are who are your influences? What got you started in music or what is your creative process like?
2: We're going to go with the creative process one. Um, Ideas can come to me personally at at the strangest of times. Um, Sometimes it's when I'm in the shower. Sometimes I'm on the toilet. Other times it's like during idle time. Um, The other day I was watching Better Call Saul with my mom because she has not. She has not seen all of it, and I want her to see it. It's a great show. (laughs) And um, during it, I I kind of had to just say, hey, Mom, hold on. We need to pause. I'm going to go step into another room and uh, record a voice memo because it's an episode that I'd seen before. And for some reason, when my mind starts to get a little, not bored, but just I guess I don't need to process what's happening, I just start coming up with tunes in my head and that just tends to be the default. Um, But that doesn't mean that everything that I come up with is going to ever be finished. In fact, I would say maybe 1% of the ideas that I ever come up with are actually followed through with, demoed out, or even produced. Um, And I'd say probably, honestly, I would assume that's the same for Matt in a sense a lot of times him and I will come to come together um, or rather meet up and have bags of our own ideas. And then we'll kind of just flesh them out together. I mean, it's, it's always good to have another set of eyes on something um, or set of ears also rather on on a riff, a melody or a chord progression. Uh, For me, especially, it's really helpful to have somebody overlook lyrics that I've written Um, I had, I used to have a tendency of writing lyrics that to me made sense, but then it didn't really make sense to other people. And in my head, I was just like, well, it's it, but it makes me happy. But at the end of the day, I I do recognize that, I don't know, perhaps making it cohesive and understanding, having people, having other listeners who have no idea what possibly is going through my head, understand it is more important to me nowadays than just being married to the first thing I wrote.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yes, yeah, having us be um, both being songwriters, I think having each other as sounding boards, that's kind of what our creative process is like, a lot of back and forth. And again, lots of making ideas independently and working together just to make something bigger, better, or even like steering things in a way that the other might not imagine. That's, that's kind of what it's like.
2: There's also certain things that he can do that I can't do. Like he can, he can play piano and um, see what what makes me mad about saying that is I have a piano. I just haven't learned how to play it. So (laughs) I was just like, God, I'm lazy. (laughs) Um, But I also have a drum set. And that's a lot easier for me to get my head around because it's uh, not more physical, but it's just more like beating something rather than piano feels more like seduction or something. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, yeah, being able to, I'm not a good drummer at all, but I can keep a beat for about two minutes. So that's very helpful when it comes to coming up with ideas. (laughs)
0: Do you consider yourselves artists or entertainers?
2: I think we're artists first and entertainers second. Um, having said that, in this industry, I, I do believe to be one, you have to be the other. They do kind of go hand in hand. But um, I think for us, song the songwriting is the most important aspect because that that could outlive everything else. I mean, I, I could, uh, I don't know how this could happen, but in a week, perhaps my vocal cords get shattered and I can't perform anymore. Um, then that means for me, the live performances are no longer viable. And really what matters is what we have recorded and what's out there and what is going to hopefully outlive us. You know, hopefully there's no, <laughs> hopefully Spotify doesn't go under in 20 years. Um, But yeah, I think that we like to think of the art first, the the sonic elements, the message, uh, how we dress it up, and the way that we make that connect to people on stage or through content is kind of a secondary thing. We recognize that that is important, but it's not um, nearly as important as having a product that we truly truly love and are proud of
0: what do you think is the biggest misconception about musicians
2: i think hopefully this doesn't sound salty i think the biggest misconception with a lot of big big musicians i mean the people you see on grammys not not the kind of people that we're seeing like in the la circuit that are you know, really trying and are genuinely, like, really pushing themselves. Um, I'm talking about the people that were kind of chosen by the gods, rather, the, you know, universal Atlantic, those kind of huge um labels. Um, there, there seems to be kind of a, a, a the idea that hard work is all that got them there that you can do anything if you work really hard at it. And, and, and to be clear, I don't disagree with that at all. Hard work is very important. Hard work is what's going to get you, I don't know, better at everything. It, 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 uh, you know, Putting time into the gym makes you a healthier person. Putting time into your craft makes you better at it. Reading more about writing or about music, just learning in general. I think all of that is hard work and it's very necessary. However, it's funny that big musicians like that tend to never say how much luck is involved with it. Luck is a huge part of life, I think. And in general, especially in the entertainment industry where there's so many people that are foaming at the mouth and trying to do the same thing and trying to be in front of others. It's, um, Luck is a big part of it. I mean, Matt and I, we started this, this band in 2018 with uh, the idea of, holy crap, we're in our fourth year of college. I don't like what I'm studying. Do you? What do you want to do after that? What are we going to do once we are done? I mean, my whole life, I've been told, like, you have all this time to figure out what it is you want to do. And I was always kind of pushed towards not doing music. um, Despite the fact that it was a passion of mine, just because there was no, you know, my family didn't see that being a possibility of, of, of a way to, they didn't see it as sustainable, you know? But after a certain point, Matt and I kind of looked at each other and we're like, you know what, it may piss off our families, But I'd rather take the risk right now with no connections and try to do this. Try to do something rather than wake up 50 years from now and think, damn, what would have happened if we had actually tried when we were young? You know, and. So that was up in Santa Cruz, him and I met up in UC Santa Cruz um, in our first year, and it took us four years to start a band just because we're both really socially awkward and weird and figuring stuff out, but we kind of help each other figure shit out when it comes to that. Um, When we came down to LA, we were going to shows constantly. Like we were going to the whiskey and go-go. We were going out to the mint, whether we were playing there or not, we just wanted to go out and see what was going on and try to, try to, try to figure out a way into the LA circuit. And, Funny enough, the, the thing that wound up getting, not, not propelling us, but the, the the one thing that that gave us somewhat of a connection was an open mic. Um, we, we played an open mic in uh, Hermosa Beach, and we were approached by a gentleman afterwards who said he wanted to record us. And at the time, I was 22. Matt was also 22. But we had never ever pulled the trigger on anything like that. I mean, I think the most money I had spent at the time was maybe t- like $200 or something on, on school books or something. I'd never pulled the trigger on something that was like more than that. And, you know, you go into a, a good studio, it's about, you got, you, you know, you got to be able to, you got to be able to, you got to be able to afford that and all that kind of stuff. And so Matt and I started playing all these acoustic shows and doing everything we could to make whatever kind of scrap we could to save up for these recordings. But the point is, is this, the gentleman, his name is Steve. He, he became our manager for a bit and he's currently still our producer and he's a great friend to us. He's helped us a lot pointing us in directions and kind of helping us learn more about sound and just about how all this kind of works. He himself is, uh, you know, he, he works at a studio and he, he had also been in a band before, so he knows kind of what the whole, how the sausage is made, if you will. Um, but yeah, the the, 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 wrap up for that whole, sorry for such a long answer to that. The wrap up for that is had we not been there on that day at that time, it, it, astronomically, the, the chances of that are have to be have to be, it, 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 you know, the, the chances that he was in that room when we were there have to be astronomical. I hope I'm using that right. <laughs> um, but had he not been there and said, "Hey, come to this studio," I mean, we could have, we we may have never, we may have gone to somebody who perhaps didn't know what they were doing after, after doing what we, you know what I mean? Like it it was just pure luck that we found this guy that, that it happened to work out that, that we vibed together as much as we did and created all the music that we did. Um, And I think a lot of times musicians in this industry don't really want to recognize that a lot of this is up to luck because I think it kind of evens the playing field in that sense, because I don't know. Does that does any of that make sense? <laughs> that, was, that was really long-winded. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, you're good. Uh, you make you make a ve- very valid point. Um, I believe it was Bo Burnham was doing a panel, and somebody asked him, like, you know, what's what's your advice to somebody trying to break in? And he said that you know you shouldn't listen to people like me or people like taylor swift who you know who tell you oh it's all it's all hard work and this and that it's the you know they just happen to be in the right place at the right time in front of the
2: right people exactly exactly yeah i remember him saying that too That's a big reason i love bo burnham man god damn he's so down to earth
0: <laughs> yeah Tell me about the moment in your careers that you're most proud of.
2: Um, well, Matt, you want to take this one? I feel like we kind of we kind of touched on it a little bit in the previous uh, in in my essay of <laughs> a question that we had there.
1: Oh yeah, in, in your uh, your uh, speech. Your yes. Yes. Speech. Um,
2: introduction, yeah. body, and conclusion.
1: <laughs> Here's my rebuttal. No. <laughs> um, I would say, yeah, the proudest moment of mine, and I think for both of us, is really the day that we started. You know, the day, the day that we decided to give this a try. Um, yeah, when both of us were in school and we just met, we were paired up as roommates, um, I think almost solely based on this like little application we had to fill out for the housing department. And so we both wrote about our interest in music. So I think that was kind of like the... catalyst for that so we already had that connection we both loved music um yeah I was I remember we started I I guess the, the way that we started um Kevin had been in bands before like in high school but I had never been in a band like that before I was in like orchestra for years so I was in like the classical world where you're um, a very small part of a hole. Like I was in the, a section with like a couple dozen other players of the same instrument playing the same part. So it was really easy to like hide um, if you didn't feel ready, if you didn't feel, yeah, there are tons of players. Myself included were like, you could totally fake playing and you'd be fine. You wouldn't be noticed. With the band, it's totally different. Um,
0: it is? No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I noticed you, man. <laughs> yeah like um for me it was this first open mic we did i'd never sung and played guitar in front of anyone besides like kevin before so i remember i was petrified i was shaking but i remember i remember
2: getting you to sing for the first time too it was like peer pressuring someone into trying a cigarette
1: <laughs> yeah it took a while uh i was very very self-conscious about it but uh yeah, learning, learning to just kind of let go of that and be vulnerable, kind of accepting that when you're starting anything new, you're not going to be great. So having us start, start at the bottom, um, I'm incredibly proud of that, especially looking back and seeing kind of how far we've gone.
2: I think also as people, that is a huge moment for us too. Because, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Greg, I don't know from your perspective how this interview is going, but I feel that Matt and I, if you if you spoke to us four years ago, there would be a lot, a lot of dead space in this. <laughs> we did not know. I, I didn't. I, I struggled so hard making friends growing up because I, I was uh, I was constantly moving schools, um, and just kind of overloaded as a kid with extracurricular stuff. My parents kind of wanted me doing everything so that I could, you know, have the best chances of getting into a college or something. And, um, honestly, Matt is, I, I do have other, I, I have a, I have a girlfriend that I've had since high school. So I, I can't really put, I can't really say that Matt, you were above that because she she's a true friend of mine and one of the first real, real friends that I've had. But Matt is for sure like one of the first friends that I had that was just like, this guy thinks, like I can tell he thinks about everything um, when we're together. As as in like, he he doesn't, he's very, damn, how do I put this? For somebody that was very socially awkward and very, um, I guess afraid of people at the time, he, he made me feel comfortable. And There was something about our friendship and also the fact that we just decided to jump into this industry in the deep end, just just willy nilly, no connections, nothing like it kind of forced us to learn how to talk to people. I mean, no matter whatever happens with this band, we're both far better for doing we are both far better off as people having experienced what we have experienced because I just, I don't know, I genuinely walk around with a lot more confidence now as a person. I, I don't feel scared to do something simple as look people in the eye. Whereas before, when I was like 16 or something, if I wanted to order food at Chipotle, God, I was such a little dude. I, I hated myself. Like I, I would just like be shaking in my boots. Oh, could I get a burrito? You know, it's just the most... Un- unlikable quality, <laughs> in my opinion. I'm just being hard on myself. I'm not saying that if, if other people are like that, it's it's fine. I'm just, I, I don't, I don't want to be like that. And I'm glad that we are where we're at now.
1: Yeah, man, we have come a long way. It was really just taking that step. It was, it's kind of the cliche, right? It's the first step that's kind of the biggest. And I'm very proud we took it. So I'd say that's really the moment.
2: Things started to change. My bad. Sorry. No, go ahead. (laughs) I I was literally just going to say, like, yeah, our our first performance ever was at at, at this place called The Ugly Mug in Santa Cruz. It was a, uh, you get two songs, it was an open mic. I think we did. We definitely played REM's Losing My Religion. And then I want to say the other one was. And I saw her standing there, the Beatles. And I think, Matt, that was your first time singing in front of anybody and playing an instrument where you couldn't hide behind an orchestra.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, it was. The ugly mug. (laughs) So if you could
0: start your careers over from the minute that you decided to pursue music, would you do anything differently?
2: I would immediately speed run my music friend connections i would i would go find the studio that we record at find steve our producer and just be like hey you don't know me but i know you she so would be like what i'm like yes <laughs> i know your <laughs> wife's name just just feed him all this weird info and then just no i'm, I'm kidding i'm kidding that, that that would be that's some time travel shit but no <laughs> <I know laughs> um future I don't know I would say take well I would say honestly I would take take my performances way less seriously I think I used to take them so so seriously um not not that I don't try or or take take this at all seriously it's it's more just like on stage in my mind I was like okay this is it make or break is tonight, I would put all the pressure of the world on myself. And I think that that would kind of stop me from actually being a performer because I was just in my head. And then the more and more I did this, unfortunately, it took a few years for me to really realize this, but it became less about, oh, you need to put on the best performance of your life and more about, all these people that are here, whether it's a full room or it's just a couple people standing at the wall, they came here to see you make this the best night that you can for them. Like I think changing the perspective from myself to others has really helped um, my ability to perform on stage and, and not be able to it's so stuck in my head.
1: Yeah, it's totally true like performing is such a mental game and yeah, when you when you get into a mindset that is negative or self-destructive, it can be really hard to get yourself out of that. So, and I've experienced that a ton, especially since since that first open mic, which was I was I don't know how I walked out of there. I was totally way up in my head. <laughs> but the things that I would do differently um, I would say I would take more chances, make more mistakes, make more of those little mistakes because you're gonna make those, and I feel like those are kind of great lessons. Mm. Uh, and avoid pay to play shows.
2: Oh my god, yeah, my god, dude, we did, we had so many of those to begin with because we didn't know, we had no idea, and I think that people, people, ah, man, I'm hoping more people are like. Learning that that's not a good thing to do when you're first starting out, but we had no idea, man. We 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 just went to the Sunset Strip and we're like the Whiskey a Go Go. That's a great place. It has history, but then I don't know. We're from or I'm from Torrance. Matt is from Placentia, which is out in Orange County. These are about an hour drive away from Hollywood, and then you figure you kind of learn once you get there that there's no built-in audience at the Whiskey A Go-Go. You got to bring on the people. And also you got to sell like, man, it was like something stupid. We had to sell like 50 tickets at the price of $25 a head once, which was Holy shit. Yeah. It, it, maybe it was less tickets than that. That sounds like an insane amount of money, but it, it was just like, Oh, you want to play here? Well, You got to pay We, and we had no idea that, that that was basically how it went. Like we, we know that now, and we kind of avoid that. We tell other bands that are younger to avoid that, but we were doing, we were doing stupid stuff to try to get rid of those tickets, man. We were going to hotels in the area to try to find a concierge to say, Hey, we were a band. We're, we're playing a show down the street. If you guys have guests that are looking for entertainment, please give them these free tickets. Like, we were trying to hustle this kind of stuff as, as much as we could. But at the end of the day, one disadvantage that Matt and I seriously, seriously have is that we don't have a ton of friends. I, uh, you know, all all the friends that I made in college, they kind of went back home to their separate states and, and, and cities once that ends. And I, I don't really have any people in my hometown that I really hang out with anymore. I think a lot of them are just doing hard drugs and I'm not really into that. So, um, and then Matt is, was not exactly a social butterfly growing up. So it's not like we have a ton, you know what I mean? It's not like we have like a posse of friends to say, Hey, we're going to go play at this show. No, what we had to do was try to sell it to strangers and our families and, and, and try to make friends along the way. And yeah, if, if there are bands out there that are trying to do this thing, If you have friends, sure, do the pay to play. You're going to lose money, but otherwise it's not worth it. You're just going to be playing to an empty room and you're going to lose out on a lot of money. And also, who the hell charges $25 for a band they've never heard of? Why is that their business model? (laughs) (laughs) Like 15 is pushing it.
0: So uh, tell the folks listening at home and all over the world where they can get their hands on uh, your music.
2: Anywhere that is... That, a, a, any of the streaming sites. Uh, we got stuff on Spotify, Apple Music. I'm, I'm told there's more. <laughs> uh, I I, um, I think Amazon is one of them. Deezer. I'm trying to name all of them, but there's a long list of them. Um, yeah, we have an EP out that we released in 2020. Best timing ever. I think three days before the pandemic started and everything shut down. So that was... Best timing on our part. Uh, we came out with a album in December of twenty twenty one that has eight tracks on it. And this Friday, February seventeenth, we are releasing uh, our new EP, Seeing Red, which is yeah. It has one of the hardest songs we've ever written. It has some of the most personal and vulnerable. Um, we had a lot of fun experimenting with sounds on this one, and also we got a pretty cool feature on one of the songs. Um, so what uh, it's a song called Danny Phantom uh, that we wrote back in March or so of last year um, after we had played a number of shows with our friend Mr. Jacob Noel who's the son of Bradley Noel, the singer of Sublime oh, wow. um, yeah, we, we played a bunch of shows with him uh, we played at the Venice West in Venice Beach with him, we played at the Casbah in San Diego with him and we also played at this showcase for South by Southwest. And I noticed every time that dude performed, I don't know if he still does this, but every, every time back then when he performed, he makes these little jokes and stuff. He's a, he's a character. He's, he's hilarious. He's, and he's also as nice of a person as he was expecting him to be in real life. He's such a sweethearted person. He, would make this joke between songs not not a joke but he would just make a reference to the show Danny Phantom he would just go he's a phantom which is just this thing from the from the theme song and it's, it's a show that Matt and I grew up watching and it was it, when he did that it, it it gave me this idea that like oh damn this idea that I have of writing a song about people going ghost which is something that has been happening More and more, I guess, you know, you just, as I guess, as you get older, you kind of, you form new friendships, and then I guess some others kind of fall by the wayside, and sometimes people just stop talking to you for some reason, and you don't really know why, and that's a feeling that Matt and I both wanted to write about for a while, and we had this idea in our back pocket. And when Jacob was making those references, it kind of just clicked to me like, oh shit, he knows this song. And also his voice would be great on this. Not, sorry, he knows this show. And also just hearing him sing live and hearing his recording, it was like, yeah, this guy would be killer on this. So we got him in the studio and we got him on that song. And we also wound up getting him in a music video too. So it was a really fun time. And I, yeah, I'm really happy with how that song came out.
0: And where can they track you guys down on social media?
2: We use Instagram the most, so I would suggest, uh, I'd suggest following us there. uh, That our our username on Instagram is Joker's Hand Official. Um, We also have a Twitter, we have a website, we have a Facebook, but those are kind of more secondary i i do update those but like if people try to contact us or comment on stuff there i likely won't see it instagram is our main way of reaching out to people and being personable and stuff yeah
0: well thank you guys so much uh for taking time out of your day to uh talk to me about your music a little bit i have i have enjoyed this so much and i i really look forward to everything
1: that you guys have coming in the future
2: Hey, thank you so much, Greg. It was really, really fun time.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Greg. Great, great chatting with you.